Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the podcast of The Porch Church. We hope today's message really blesses you and encourages you in your spiritual journey. If you have questions or want more information on our church, please visit www.theporchchurch.tv. Thanks. Yeah, I don't know how worship was for you, but man, it was good for me up here on stage. And I hope that, I don't know if it's different in the audience versus up here. Maybe we all just need to get in-ears like my eardrum is, I can't even hear right now. But uh, it was good. So thanks so much for singing with us. Well, welcome uh, to Seussville, Seussland. Whoville, is that the name? Whatever it is. We got some truffula trees here. We got our friend Cat in the Hat. We got Fish, Thing 1 and Thing 2 are around here somewhere. Uh, But we are launching a brand new series today uh, called Parenting Through Proverbs. We're going to be looking at wisdom from from Dr. Seuss to Solomon and walking our way through uh, this parenting journey. Really, I've been dreaming about, thinking about, praying about uh, this series for a year, almost half a year now, uh, because I don't know if y'all are aware of this, but like we have a ridiculous amount of young families here at the porch. Are you aware of this, right? Like It's a crazy number of people who have children in that age zero to five, and we love our kids, and as we begin thinking about as a staff and how do we prepare parents to walk through this parenting journey because it's not always intuitive. It's not always easy. And we think that there's a real easy way to look at some biblical wisdom to give us some proverbs to walk through. Uh, and we're going to have some fun while we do it. So each week we're going to open it up to some different proverbs and we'll talk about that, maybe even give you the opportunity to memorize or internalize a couple of these as we go throughout the series. But then of course we want to have some fun. So each week we're going to use a Dr. Seuss classic uh, as our launching off point And uh, hopefully you'll enjoy that. We're going to have some fun with that. So uh, without further ado, this morning is Oh, the Places You'll Go, and here's a little excerpt from that book. Oh, the places you will go. Congratulations. Today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your own, and you know what you know, and you are the guy who'll decide where to go. All the places you'll go. You'll be on your way up. You'll be seeing great sights. You'll join the high flyers who soar to high heights. Wherever you fly, you'll be the best of the best. Wherever you go, you will top all the rest. Except when you don't, because sometimes you won't. I'm sorry to say so, but sadly it's true that bang-ups and hang-ups can happen to you. But on and on you will hike, and I know you'll hike far, and face up to your problems, whatever they are. You'll get mixed up, of course, as you already know. You'll get mixed up with many strange birds as you go. So be sure when you step, step with great care and great tact, And remember that life's a great balancing act. And will you succeed? (laughs) Yes, you will indeed. 98 and 3 quarter percent guaranteed. Kid, you'll move mountains. So be your name, Bucksbaum or Bixby Abray or Mordecai Ali Van Allen O'Shea. You're off to great places. Today is your day. Your mountain is waiting. So get on your way. 
I mean, is there a better book to kind of put in one sentence what we hope and what we dream about for our kids, right? There's no reason that this is like still a college graduation present that teachers give to students or that parents give to kids because there's just something so magical about that journey that Dr. Seuss takes us on. We all have dreams and hopes and aspirations for our kids. As a matter of fact, as we walk through this series, we're going to talk about some universal principles to what it means to be a parent. And I think that really this book encapsulates the very first universal truth about being a parent. So whether you're a parent in this room or someday you think you might be a parent or whether you have parents, we hope that this series uh, is going to be meaningful and impactful for you. Because one of the things that's true about parents across the board is that we all have dreams and aspirations for our kids, right? We all dream about the places that we want our children to go. Right? I'll, I'll never forget when, when Liam was still in, in infancy, right? when he was just a gleam in his mother's eye, we found out that we were expecting, and, and I don't know if you have this kind of intuition the first time around, but like you kind of just think that you know or have an idea of what you know, and we were convinced uh, that we were going to have a little girl. Right? And it doesn't make sense if you look at my family tree, like there's one girl married in, and like that's the only thing. But we were like convinced, right, we're gonna have a little girl, which I was excited about, right? Because here's my here's my life plan for parenting a little girl, right? You just love the snot out of her and you beat up any boys. Like that was my whole parenting philosophy. I got this, I got it nailed down. And on second thought, you know, maybe it's a good thing we didn't have girls. But uh, you all know how the story ends, right? So we end up with a son and we go in for the ultrasound, and that very first time I'm I'm looking at my son and I'm going, Oh, dang. Because now all of a sudden I shift from protection mode to like, I've got to not screw this kid up, right? Like, I've got to teach him manners. I've got to teach him to be respectful, how to treat people, how to treat women, all these kinds of things. And instantly my goals, my hopes, my aspirations for my child changed. And again, these start from the very second that we even think about conceiving, about having a child, about having those conversations. We have dreams about the places that they'll go, who they'll be, what they'll become. That's the first universal truth about parenting. The second universal truth about parenting, and there's no argument here, is that we have no idea what we're getting into, right? Whether it's your first kid, second kid, whether kids are far off, uh, we have no idea what we're getting into, and uh, nobody says it better, I think, than Michael Michael McIntyre, who's a comedian. Check out what he has to say on parenting. And there are people in this room who do have children, and there are people in this room who don't have children. And the people who don't have children, um, they think they know, don't they? They think they know. (laughs) They know what it means to have children. Sometimes they chat about it, don't they? And they're little couples, you know, oh, I'd love to start a family one day with you. It'd be lovely. You'd make a really good dad. I think you'd be an amazing mom. It'd be so, wouldn't it be so lovely having little, little, little versions of you and me running around? I'd love to have a family. And you think you know what you're talking about. You have no idea. You have no idea what it's like. You have no idea how difficult, how difficult things will become in your life. Things that you don't even consider to be things will become nearly impossible when you have children. I'm talking about things like leaving the house, for example. (laughs) This is how people without children leave the house. Shall we leave the house? Yes. I leave the house almost every day. Lucas, Oscar, come downstairs. We're late. Why aren't you downstairs? Put your shoes on. I don't know where my shoes are. Put your shoes on. Go and find your shoes. Where did you see them last? On my feet. 
after that, get your shoes on. Come here, come here. Arms up, arms up, arms in, arms in, arms up, arms up, arms in. That's my wife. She's so tired, she can't dress herself. <laughs> Things that aren't even things will become huge ordeals. And if you're a parent of young children in this room, you know both pieces of that, that we have no idea what we're getting into and that you're so ridiculously tired that you have to be dressed in that same fashion, right? But that's the thing with being a parent is that we have no idea what we're getting into. And the first time around or second time around doesn't even matter. We think that we know, but we have no idea what it means to get into this parenting journey, which can leave us floundering a little bit about this parenting journey thing? How do we raise healthy, functioning, successful members of society? What does it look like to be parents, and how do we know if we're going to do a good job? Maybe you were blessed with some solid parenting structures. Maybe your family was awesome growing up, and you just entered into this season kind of knowing what's up, but my guess is that that would be in the minority for all of us, because our parents, just like us, are people, right? And they're not perfect. So there's this gap, I find, between the hopes and dreams that we have for our children, dreaming about the places that they'll go, while at the same time having no idea, ultimately, what we're up to. And this series is all about closing that gap, about bringing us some wisdom, some biblical insights about how we can bridge these two things, the having ideas about what we want for our children and not having the first clue where to stop, right? Because I think that it starts with defining our terms. What does it mean to be a successful parent. That's what we're going to talk about today because some, di- some days I think success is just like keeping them alive, right? Have you had those days? Like mission accomplished, nobody died today, everybody's safe, we didn't have to go to the emergency room. This is a good day, particularly in summer. But what does success look like? Does it look like just making it to adulthood? Does it mean they're good at sports, that they have a healthy social life, that they get into college, that they get a career? How do we know what we're after in being parents? And this is where I think the biblical wisdom comes in because while Dr. Seuss has fantastic stories and illustrations, if we're going to get some wisdom on parenting, then we need to turn our attention to the scripture. So we're going to be walking through the book of Proverbs. I'm going to encourage you to slip your hand up if you'd like to follow along with us. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 2 today, uh, which is page 296. We won't get there for a while, but if you would like to follow along in a Bible, there's these. If you don't own a Bible, just keep it. It's our gift to you. Uh, But some background information on Proverbs, right? We kind of went through John last series and we kind of went linearly, right? Chapter after chapter. Proverbs is really kind of more or less two-thirds just a collection of sayings, right? These axioms of leadership, excuse me. They're kind of just one-liners about wisdom and about knowledge, and really Solomon kind of hits on everything throughout it. The book is attributed to Solomon, who you may remember asks God for wisdom, and God gives him wisdom, and so he's a leader of the ancient world. He's got people coming to him seeking advice, and so he decides to write down some of the things he's learned about life, and he's got them in these great little one-line snippets, again, for about two-thirds of the book. So we're going to be jumping around quite a lot, and so rather than focusing on reading through the book, of Proverbs along with us. I'd encourage you to circle at the top of your bulletin any verses that stand out to you, maybe where you want to spend some more time, maybe a verse that you want to memorize or talk about together with your spouse or as a family. Because while almost everything is covered in Proverbs, from relationships to finances to leadership, he starts out, and we're going to look at this today, he starts out talking about, about character, 
about who we are on the inside. He talks today about, about wisdom. He actually personifies wisdom, and he has this great contrast about the woman wisdom and the woman folly. And if you're a literature fan, you should read kind of these first couple chapters of Proverbs because they're perfectly well written together. But he encourages us to seek wisdom, to seek character development, even over gold or silver. His hypothesis is that if he connects us with wisdom, that we'll eventually find God because God is the source of all wisdom. And when you have those things nailed down in the words of Dr. Seuss, success will be guaranteed at least 98 and three quarters percent. So we're going to be studying in Proverbs. And before we get to chapter two, maybe we'll just start with the most famous proverb on parenting. Maybe you've memorized this. Maybe you know it. Maybe it's what you cling to in the season. But Proverbs 22.6 says it this way. Start children off on the way that they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. If you've been in church for a while, you may have heard that verse, right? Train up a child in the way that they should go. It's the same verse, different words that are put to it, but this is kind of this biblical hypothesis, right? For many of us, it's why we bring our children to church, because we want to start them off in a direction of faith towards following God, and it's our hope, it's our prayer that this verse becomes reality in our lives, and that the things that we put in place in our children at a young age become the things that orient them and guide them around in life. And what this verse says more than anything else that we'll talk about today is that success in parenting looks a lot like offense, not a lot like defense. So often as a parent, right, we're defending against all of the incoming stimuli that our kids have to deal with. But Proverbs says, no, you need to be on offense. You need to be putting things in place for your children. You need to be charting the course forward, especially in an internet, social media kind of world, right? Our kids know more about our smartphones than we do, or at least by the time your kids are that age, they will. And the internet is a scary big place with lots of stuff that we would all agree that we don't want our kids getting into. So how do we be on offense in a social media, internet kind of world because it's a big reality. I don't say that to promote fear, but I say that as probably one of the largest parenting gaps that's different from when we were raised to raising our kids now. But I think this verse kind of echoes this Dr. Seuss book, right? Like, start them off on a path. Look at the places they'll go. And if we start them off in that direction, then they'll arrive there at the end of the journey. But as the book continues and as life goes on, there's that, except when you don't, right? Because... Sometimes you won't, right? Success is almost guaranteed, but there's going to be ups and downs within life. And so when it comes to even this verse and the biblical knowledge, how do we define what we're aiming at as parents? Because so often this conversation just kind of stays up here at this level. We want to be good parents. We want to be the best parents. We want to give our kids everything that we can, but we don't take the time to actually define what we're aiming at. We kind of just aim for success for success's sake because we don't have the roadmap lied out, which leads me to a principle that I think applies in parenting. I think it really applies across the board, but here's kind of the principle that we'll launch off from, that success is not a goal. Success is not a goal. It's actually a byproduct. Success isn't a goal. It's a byproduct. It's a byproduct of the experiences that we go through to become the people that we want to be. After all, nobody wants to be successful just for success's sake. That's a very quick way to burn yourself out, a very quick way to burn your kids out as you push them into every single opportunity and activity. Instead, what we see is that we want to intentionally lead our kids on a parenting journey. And then as a byproduct of us putting this character, this wisdom, these things in place for our children, what results? 
results out from that is a successful child, is a successful parent. Not because we're aiming at success for success's sake, but because it's a byproduct of what we do. Successful parenting isn't something we stumble into. It's a byproduct of the process that we go through. And when we go on the type of journey that we're going to be talking about today, about leading our kids' character, about starting with a firm foundation, focusing in on who those children will become, then what that leads to is success, not because we're aiming for it, but it's simply a byproduct of the process that it takes to become a great parent. Because here's the reality, we don't turn into great parents, we actually train to become them. We don't just happen to it by happenstance. We have to train intentionally. It doesn't come easily. It doesn't even come naturally. Good parents, successful parenting is the result of a diligent pursuit, not just for success, but for impact in our children's lives. And so to that end, we're going to walk through Proverbs. But before we get there, I just want to talk about one major piece, and we're going to kind of set the stage for at least the next four weeks of this, ser- this series. And in case you haven't figured it out yet, um, this is probably one of those truths that was, when I learned it, kind of life-orienting. Uh, I didn't quite understand this at the time, but knowing this reality changed the way that I parent. And that's the simple fact that parenting is seasonal. Parenting is seasonal. What I mean is you get the school year off, and then you're on full-time in, in the summer. we got some teachers in here. They don't think that's funny. But that's, that's not true, right? We have to be a parent full-time. Um, but parenting is seasonal, and here's what I mean by that. As our children grow up, as they go through different ages and stages, our role as a parent, our role as a voice in their life, has to begin to change. Otherwise, we find ourselves frustrated trying to discipline a child at an older age, and we're wondering why they don't listen to us. Typically, we experience this about the teenage years. I did youth ministry for a while, and it never fails that by the time our kids get to that 12, 13 through 16, they begin to change, they begin to come, become their own person, and we have this opportunity where they change seemingly overnight from being kids who listened to us and respected us to something completely different. That's because parenting comes in seasons. And if you don't know that your role as a parent changes with the age of your child, you're going to be frustrated and they're going to be frustrated as well. So here are the four seasons of parenting that we're going to walk through as we go throughout this series, right? Uh, And they're divided up into age on the left, kind of our role as parents in the middle, and then what the journey that they're actually going through at this time is happening. So years one through five is the discipline years. This is when we as parents are disciplining our child, trying to give them instructions and ways to go. Uh, This is where they're learning self-awareness, who they are as a person, what they'll be doing. You know you're in this season of parenting if you are tired and exhausted all of the time. That's how you know that you're in the discipline years. It's also brought to you by the words no and mine. And uh, that's how you know that you're in years one through five. If you're in years one through five, don't miss next week. Uh, We're going to have some great opportunity to talk about this. Years six through 11 are the training years. This is kind of hands-on parenting. This is where we do and our kids watch us and we bring them along on this journey. They're learning self-direction at this stage. How do I move myself forward? What are the things that I put myself Two, years 12 through 18, we call the coaching years. The key aspect of the coaching years is that they're in the game and you aren't. 
which is a big shift from the training years. During these years, they're learning self-control. Who am I as a person? What do I exert myself for? And how do I balance those things out? If you don't recognize this season, you're going to be trying to discipline a teenager, and you're going to find yourself frustrated, and they're going to be frustrated as well. 12 through 18 is the coaching years. Last, 18 plus, is the friendship years, right? This is hopefully where we reap the rewards of all the hard work of those first 18 years, and this is where they learn selflessness. How do I serve and become the person that God wants me to become. So this is the outline for the next four weeks for our next series. You may want to jot down the ages that your kids are in, maybe check it off on that box. And again, I would encourage you, don't miss those weeks or at least subscribe to the podcast. Join us on YouTube so that you hear not only the season that you're in, but also probably the next season so that you can begin to prepare as a parent. We also have a resource table uh, that we're going to be populating with a couple of books throughout this series. Our goal there is to give you something to put in your Amazon cart to maybe file away for a later date or if you'd like to borrow a book now because you're like, I'm in that season and I need some help. There's that parenting resource table uh, that's going to be up there throughout this series. So before we jump into specific seasons, that's coming up next week, I want to talk about the success as a parent, right? We said that it's not a goal to aim at in and of itself, but it's a byproduct. And so here's what I would say for us, successful parenting looks like across all ages, across all demographics, and what we need to be focused on as parents. So here's what I want us to walk away with today. Focus on the people that they can become, not the places that they'll go. We talked about this, right? That as parents, we have dreams and hopes and aspirations for our kid. But success in parenting is not simply arriving at a destination. It's a byproduct of going along this journey of focusing on developing their character, not simply the places that they will go. Because again, we all have places that we want our kids to go, to do, to achieve, to have more than we did, to get all they can out of life. We want to equip them in school and in sports and give them every opportunity. And all of that's fine so long as it's not to the neglect of becoming the people that they can become. So long as it's not at the expense of character. Because no matter what they can achieve, no matter the places that they go, no matter the things that they do, if they don't have a character that's in line with godly foundations, then they're going to struggle as they go throughout life. So without further ado, let's jump in. Proverbs chapter 2, if you're still there. If not, page 296. Let's see what Solomon has to say about forming our character. And then I'll give you three things to focus on, no matter the season of parenting. Proverbs chapter 2, starting at verse 1. My son, if you accept my words and you store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom... And applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Do you hear Solomon kind of just emphasize and underline over and over again, hey, this is about character, it's about wisdom, it's about understanding, it's about focusing on what's inside, not the places outside. I think that too often in this parenting journey, we get distracted by every opportunity to give our children to be successful to the neglect of their character. 
which because I've found in my own parenting journey that it's far easier to keep them busy than it is to take the time to invest in their character, in their spirits, in their wisdom, in their understanding. Those things take a whole different set of rules and a whole different set of energy from me as a father. So I want to give us three things to focus on. If our goal is to focus on who our children will become, not just the places that they'll go, let's focus in on three key areas that I think regardless of our ages, regardless of where our children are at, that we can focus in on to allow us to focus on character development within our kids. So the first one that I want to talk about is focused time. Focused time. You may have heard it said, right? Love is spelled T-I-M-E. And what we do with our kids is far more important than what we do for our kids. Maybe you've learned that lesson. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you've gone on a road trip and you brought back a toy, a gift or something for your child, but they were just excited to see you, not the gift that you bought. Because what we do with our children, the people that we are in their presence is far more important than what we give to them or what we provide for them. So for to focus on time to develop character, what's your time look like with your children? How much time do you have available to spend pouring into and focusing in on your children? How do we discipline them? How do we disciple them if we don't have time with them? Right? And I get it. Life is busy and parents need a break too, which means that this is all the more reason to focus on the small windows of time that we have with our children. And when we're with them, to focus in on building character activities. So let me give you three specific times that you can focus in on with your children without adjusting perhaps your day-to-day schedule at all. These are times that already exist in your calendar. They already exist in your rhythms of life. I just want to encourage you to focus in on them. The first one to focus on is drive time. Drive time, right? We all have time in the car. We all have times where we're going to places, whether it's school or sports or driving somewhere bigger than that. How do you focus your time while you're driving? I would challenge you, pause the radio, pause the movie in the back, and just have a candid conversation with your kids. What happened today? Tell me something good. Tell me something bad. Give me an opportunity to listen to you and also speak back to them. You may be going, well, my kids don't want to talk ever. They just want to sit there in silence. That's fine. Sometimes it's okay just to turn the radio off. Maybe you pray in that moment. Maybe you just let your child know, hey, I'm just going to turn the radio off because I'm available to you in this moment. If you want to sit quietly, I'm totally cool with that. But I want my drive time to be focused in, not just on entertainment, not just on keeping myself busy, I want to focus on my kids. Melissa does this far better than I do. She's great at it. As a matter of fact, she and my youngest son, Asher, kind of have a tradition when it's just the two of them and they're going to run errands or they're going to go do something. They, they like transform the task into a song, right? Because my wife is Mary Poppins. Like that's what this looks like for her. She's just that good. So they're like, we're driving to the store to buy banana. And like they just sing a silly song. They love it. It's their thing together. And uh, it's just focusing in on that drive time to make it a time where they know that they can focus in on. And let me tell you, this helps our parenting because one time we were driving to church and Asher and mom are are singing a song and, hey, we're going to church to learn about God. And Asher decides that jazz hands are required for this. And he in the back seat yells out because we're sinners. (laughs) Yeah, train up a child in the way they should go, right? We got the guilt thing nailed down uh, with Asher. We are winning at parenting. But what do you spend your time in the car doing, right? Seriously, you have drive time, you have windshield time that you can use to invest in your kids. Maybe not the whole time. Maybe you just start by turning off the radio and saying, hey, I just want to hear from you today, bud. What's going on? 
I just want you to pause your movie and just tell me one thing that happened today. Good, bad, doesn't matter. I'm just here to engage in conversation with you. You already have this time. All you have to do is focus it in on something different. First is drive time. Meal time. Everybody has to eat. We eat regularly. I seldom miss a meal, as we've talked about. So during mealtime, what do you focus in on? At our house, we try to eat a family meal together most nights of the week whenever we can. We sit down at the table, we turn off the TV, and we just have little rhythms and rituals that we go through. Every single night, almost, that we sit down at the table, we ask simple questions. Hey, tell me your high and your low today. Right? Tell me the best part about your day and tell me the worst part about your day. And we just go around in a circle. It gives us the opportunity to hear what our kids are going through. Oftentimes we'll camp out on a particularly hard issue or something that went really well. Hey, tell me more about that. Why was that so good? Why was that so fun? We get to hear from them. They also get to hear from us about what was so good about our day, what was so bad about our day. And sometimes their little hearts warm up to that and go, well, mommy, what can I do to help make today better? And it just creates this neat family rhythm. Two simple questions that we just key in on. I heard another guy as I was preparing for this who asked his kids, hey, tell me what makes you glad, what makes you sad, and what made you mad today. Glad, sad, mad. Simple rhythm and just an opportunity that when you sit down to a meal to know that we're going to have a focused conversation. We're going to be stepping into the things that we talk about. Maybe you have a hard time memorizing those things. Maybe that's just not you. Then, then let me tell you, every single week, if your kids are in Sunday school, they get a little piece of paper. They get a talk sheet. It's got five days on there of something as a parent that you can do to connect your weekly rhythm. Maybe your dinner time, maybe your drive time. Uh, it doesn't matter, but you can connect what happens happened on the weekend with what your kids are going through. Again, our primary goal is to equip you to be the primary spiritual voice in your children's lives. So you get those take-home sheets if your kids are in any age group back there. I would encourage you to use them. Maybe you're like me and you're like, yeah, that paper doesn't get home. Like, I don't know how, but like things just, they're on the windshield of the car and they blow away. Like the paper doesn't get home or it just gets kind of put in a pile and then lost. And, and let me tell you, there's an app for that, right? Literally, it's called the Parent Q app. You can tune into the videos that your kids watch. You can download the parent cues. You can have it remind you on your phone. Again, we want to equip you. If you can't remember that name, can't write it down, there's a little sheet at Kids Check-In that you see every single week and it tells you how to get your hands on this app. If you're just looking for what to talk about in the car or at the mealtime, start there. And if that doesn't work for you, let us know because we want to equip you to be the primary spiritual voice in your kids' lives. So we talked about drive time. We talked about meal time. Last but certainly not least, bedtime. Bedtime is the most stressful part of the day, right? Like, I don't care who you are. It's exhausting, right? I'm ready to just sit down on the couch, watch some Netflix. Like, I just need to be done. You need to stay up in your room and not come down because, like, my fuse is this short, right? Like, we've all been there. But let me tell you, the last five minutes of the day can really set the tone not only for how that day gets filed away in your child's memory banks, but also how they can come to you. So I know that bedtime is hard. I know that it's late at night, but start five minutes earlier and just create a habit with your child. Maybe it's reading together and you just take the time to read one book every single night. In our family, we take the time to pray every single night. I've done this with my boys since they were, since they were tiny and I pray the same thing every single night. They often have it memorized now. Um, 
when I leave on a trip, I like have to record it for Melissa so that they can hear my voice saying it. They just love and they thrive on this tiny little prayer uh, that we basically made up together and we kind of add to it, but it becomes kind of a linchpin for them. And so every night after I pray with my children, there's always one question that comes after it, right? I say, amen, and they go, dad, and then it's a question. It's something that happened in their day. It's something they've been thinking about. Sometimes it's something silly, but they know that they have one-on-one time into their dad every single night. And they know that they can abuse it too, because if I'm down on the couch already watching something, all they have to do is say, dad, prayers, and I will be guilted into turning off whatever I'm doing, walking upstairs. Why? Because there's only so many years that they're going to ask me for prayers at night. There's only so much time that I have to do this. And so I've just internalized, man, if my kids need bedtime prayers, I'm going to be there for that. If they need bedtime reading, I'm going to be there for that. It's just these little habits. It's things that you already do. But could you take five minutes just to turn your attention and to focus in, give them one-on-one time. It won't happen overnight, but if you're there and you're faithful as often as you can be, then you create this feedback loop where they go, hey, can I talk to you about something I'm just thinking about this. It's just been on my mind. I can't sleep because of it. And you get this opportunity. So focused time is the first way to focus in on character. Again, without breaking the bank, without having you add in a 30-minute thing, these are things that are already in your life, rhythms that you can just focus in. Drive time, meal time, bedtime. The second focus that I would give to you is just what we talked about, focused prayer. You got focused time and focused prayer. Here's the reality, right? Spoiler alert, you will not be a perfect parent. I know, I'm as shocked as you are, right? It's just not going to happen. As a matter of fact, let me say it more strongly. There is a highly high probability that at some point you will be the reason for your kids being in therapy. It's just a reality, right? You just have to own it, say it's okay, I'm going to screw up as a parent, I'm not going to do this perfectly, but what you can do as a parent is pray for your children. You can invest in them, you can give them time-focused opportunity to usher them before the Lord and to give them something about themselves, right? This is a high, high priority for us to set an example for our kids. Prayer can be hard, it can be a little bit awkward, you might be going, I don't know, I don't know how to start with prayer. Let me give you something easy. Draw on your piece of paper, I want you to draw like a donut, right? Draw a big circle and draw a little circle in the middle. It's going to look kind of like a donut. On the big circle, uh, I want you to write concern. I want you to write concern. I think I have a picture for you, right? So write concern on the big circle, control in the little circle. Here's, Here's how you pray for your children. You look at these circles. If you can control it, parent it. If you're concerned about it, pray for it. I can control what my kids have access to on the internet. They don't have unfiltered internet access. They don't have the opportunity to surf the web. They're just at that age where they do not have that in my household. I parent through that. My concern is, by cat in the hat, my concern is who they are when I'm not around. How do they behave around their friends? Are there, is their character consistent? How do they behave at school? How do they behave when I'm not around? So I pray for the things that cause me concern that are outside of my control. When it's in my control, I parent them through it. I can control whether they do their chores. I can control whether they eat their dinner or respect their mother. But I'm concerned about how they behave in the lunchroom. That's how I pray for my kids. Very, very simple, very, very easy to do. You can fill out the circle or you can just kind of ask that question. Can I control or parent this or am I just concerned about it? It's really that simple. It's really that easy to do as we talk about prayer for our children. 
See, one of the last things that we focus on, we've talked about focused time and focused prayer. And this last one is a little bit weird, but it's probably the foundation for our faith because our faith for our children sets the stage for them. So the third focus we're going to call focused fear. Focused fear, and let me tell you why, right? Fear is not typically something we want to instill in our children. We want them to be fearless, to tackle anything, to soar to high heights, right? And actually, I'm very opposed to fear. First John 4.18 says that the perfect love of God casts out fear. But there's a problem, especially as we walk through Proverbs for the next couple of weeks. See, in verse 5 today, maybe you heard it, it talks about the fear of the Lord, so what's that, what's that about? What's the fear of the Lord about? Does God want us to fear him? No, I don't, I don't quite think so. Well, let me ask you a better question. Do you want your kids to be afraid of you? No, right? If yes, let's talk after service, right? I don't think we want our kids to be afraid of you. Why not? I mean, we want them to respect us. We want them to listen to us. We want them to be cognizant to us. We want them to recognize our voice, especially when they're in danger, right? Like if there's a ball rolling to the street, I want my kids to be afraid of my voice when it comes out. When I say stop, I want them to be focused in on my voice. I don't want them to be afraid of me, but I want them to fear the authority that comes with me being their dad because I want to protect them and speak to them. And when they hear my voice, I want them to acknowledge the authority behind them. I think that's what God is driving for here. He wants us to fear him as God, not because he wants to obliterate us off the face of the planet, but because he wants us to tune in when he speaks. Because often when he speaks, just like a ball rolling toward the street, he's trying to protect us from something. Proverbs 9.10 says it this way, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. See, as we develop the character of our children, we want to teach them to have properly placed fear, which is not to instill fear of God into them, but it is to teach them authority and respect and reverence when it comes to God's voice. And fear is often a learned behavior. And so our kids learn what is worth trusting in and what is fearing from, from our own actions. And sometimes as parents, we fear the wrong things. We fear job security. We fear losing things. We fear the possessions and the professions that we have. We work long, hard hours to keep away from that. And sometimes fear comes into our lives as something that we accept instead of something that we parent through. So when it comes to focused fear, I want to teach my kids not to be afraid of the things of the world, not to be afraid of the things that come around, but I want them to be afraid of God's voice. I want them to hear his voice and to respect them. So those are three things you can focus on as we develop character within our kids. And that's really our first look at parenting through Proverbs. Again, I hope you'll come back on the weeks, especially that apply or that are in front of your parenting journey. But for now, let me just encourage you to focus on their character. Focus about time and about prayer and developing the right kind of fear because according to Solomon, according to Scripture, that path develops their character no matter the places that they'll go that will make them successful people, which will make us successful parents. Not because of what we do or don't do, but because we focused on the right thing and as a result of that, success was the byproduct. I'm so excited for these upcoming weeks. I'm so excited to be able to walk through each of these stories with you. I hope that you'll come back. I hope that you'll tune in when you're not able to be here. And I hope that we have some fun as we explore a little bit of parenting wisdom from Seuss to Solomon. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, parenting is hard. It's a lot. 
It's something that we don't feel confident in always. It's something that we may not have good examples in. It's something that we always want to try to do better. And yet, God, you have time, space, and opportunity to teach us. And so, God, as we turn our attention towards these types of relationships, God, would you be honored? Would you be, uh, would you be close to our hearts as we try to learn these lessons, as we try to hear and understand what you would say to us, both as parents or as people who have parents or whatever it is, God, whatever we're lacking for this journey, God, would you give us your wisdom, your insight, your heart, that we could be the type of parents who raise kids who know and fear the Lord by focusing our time, by focusing our prayers, by focusing in on the character of who our children are becoming, not just the places they'll go. God, go with us now as we walk back out into being full-time parents. Give us wisdom and insight at how we lead our families. God, would you challenge us throughout this series and help us to latch on to the specific words and phrases and proverbs that we need to hear to increase our parenting journey. Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you. It is in the name of your Son, Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And all God's kids said, Amen. Death is